0: Hi, and welcome to Drafting Compliance. I'm Kane, he's Tom, and we talked about risk assessments last time. Today, we're talking about the audit and accountability controls. But before we get to that, we have some beers. What are we drinking today, Tom? Oh, uh, this is going to
1: be exciting because this is departs from what we've been drinking lately. This is okay. uh, Boulevard Breweries Tank 7 American Saison. So, this would be a beer, I don't think we've tried anything like this yet, Kane. Um, yeah. The tradition of Saison is a little interesting. Saison is a French word, means season. Um, but this is a Belgian, you know, this variety of beer is based on a Belgian tradition. So the farmhouse ale tradition. So a lot of times these have some spices, some aromas that are not typical to um, the beers that we've been having. Um, it's going to have, some, sometimes they have a fruity undertone uh, that's different than, you know, the citrusy stuff that we have drank in ipa so this this is going to be a new experience the other thing that often is in any farmhouse ale is there's probably a little sediment and there is in this as
0: well sediment that'll be exciting all right so so it's going to be the official beer of pittsburgh we're going to hit the gritty (laughs) got it and i also noticed tom this has got the 8.5 percent alcohol so yeah i'll be honest um, that's not that's not typical
1: that's not typical for saison Mm. saison's usually are not very high alcohol so this one is a little oh. higher alcohol content. So let's see what it is. And this is a bottle, and it takes the old church yes. key. So I'm going yep, to I'm uh, crack go. this beer. The,
0: the old church key right here built into my uh, coaster. Again, very nice gift from a friend. Okay.
1: Mm. There we go. It already has a nice aroma.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's kind of cloudy. It's kind of sort of cloudy, kind of
1: Well, it pours with a really nice here. top on it. Look at that. Man, that might, that's exciting. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm not going to make got, it fit. It's got oh. lots of
1: bubbles, so it's a little effervescent. Oh. In, in there's Houston. a piece of
0: cat hair coming out of the bottle, Tom. And I'm not sure if it came with it. No, I think it, no, that's my cat just making an appearance. Yeah. Very small guest appearance there for my cat. One hair. So there's a lot of head on this, that's a lot right. of foam. Um, put your nose It's in very it. yellow.
1: Mm. It
0: smells I am not. I'm going to put my nose near it, but not yeah. in it. I've, I've learned this skill. Uh, citrus, maybe citrus and maybe,
1: um, you know, I um, smell it to me. It has some earthy tones, kind of, which is pretty typical of of Saison.
0: Not getting the earthy tones,
1: kind of a, I'm going to say almost dank is maybe the better way to say it.
0: Dank. Mm -hmm. We're going there. Are we, you're talking to somebody who like, I am Scottish. I like me some nice peat, smoky, burned dirt right this does not have that funk to it at all this is uh, very light
1: hmm. all right well let's let's put all it right. to the test let's um, let's give it a go
0: yeah we'll see how this is if i can get through the foam hmm. no that was all foam um try again
1: yeah this has some character
0: so it's basically like a latte at this point it's all foam on top uh, eventually I'm, I'm sure i will hold you've on you've got to commit to
1: the That's process good. kane
0: Yeah, it has a bigger swig than I planned on.
1: Yeah, I mean this um, this does not have the hoppy characteristics that, that we are very used to in the IPAs. This is much more on the on the multi sort of of bitter side of of beer.
0: Yeah, I I get the bitter. Um, it doesn't have a lot of citrus in like I kind of clocked that on the nose, but not on the on the palate. Um, something spicy in there, kind of yeah, like some uh, spice in it. Um not exactly all spice, but one of the components that goes in. And it's not nutmeg, it's not cinnamon, it's the other one. Um not cloves either. There's definitely some spice in there. Um
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, I I don't know my spices too well, I don't think. So I couldn't tell you what spice is in there. But um I I get um I do get a little like grapefruit, but mm. it's it's a little bit um it's it's
0: subtle. It's not as a person who likes sidecars, I can tell you this does not ring grapefruit to me. Uh, it, it does, however, taste like beer. <laughs> I will thank, it, thank irrefutably. Goodness. And unlike what we were drinking last time, thank goodness this actually tastes like beer. I never thought I'd be saying that. But uh, if you haven't seen the episode with the cinnamon bun, what was it, an ale? Yeah, cinnamon bun ale. Cinnamon bun mistake? Yeah. Yeah, go back and I watch think, that I episode. I think we
1: can both agree unanimously that that was a mistake.
0: That was terrible. That was a mistake that uh, my children have not yet let me down. You you know, what's Um, interesting
1: is I think both of these beers are from the same brewery. I believe that was a product as well. Yeah,
0: really? Wow. They have a range, apparently. Huh. yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to noodle on this one for a little while. um, But until then, we're going to be talking about FedRAMP. And so just at the top, Tom, can you describe the key components of the audit and accountability control domain in FedRAMP R5 and the significance for cloud service providers?
1: Sure. So, so just in general, what, what we have here is, is a program that talks about what are we, what are we collecting from an audit perspective? So what events, how long are we keeping the events? Um, how do we know that the events can't be changed? Do you have the right content in general? So FedRAMP separates it between an event type and a content of that event type. So you have to be careful on both of those pieces. Um, so and just
0: to disambiguate terms at the top, Tom, when you say event, you mean like an event log entry, not like a major event.
1: Correct. This is an event log entry. So, um, uh, administrator created a created a new user. That's an an event, right? Okay. Now, I just
0: wanted to bring that in because in cybersecurity, we've got the language of is it an event? And then is it an incident? And then does the B word come in, Um, which a council would call for? All right. So, But we're talking about event logging here. And it's just been kind of fancied up a bit.
1: That's right. But they get very specific on in that that scenario I just said, uh, admin creates a new user. What is the information that FedRAMP wants you to collect about that event? So you have to be very careful about are not only are we collecting the event this occurred but are we collecting the correct information about how it occurred when it occurred how much information was sent back and forth you know all of those things all defined by fed ramp so there's no mystery here kane about what you have to do uh, this is one of yeah. those control families where fed ramp is pretty prescriptive but uh-huh. y- you certainly have to be careful that you're getting that uh, level of
0: all right prescription and now have the um We're talking, I I said R5, Um, do the AU, the audit controls in FedRAMP R5 differ from what was in R4, or is this just more of the same?
1: Well, it certainly differs, I would say, not substantively, not like in a big way, but there is language differences. There is more um, focus on privacy, for instance. Certainly, there's a focus here on automation that we didn't have in R4. Um, which is nice. I mean, it's it's recognizing um, that for people like me who are in this position, um, we have limited budgets and and we have more things to do, so we need to rely on automation. And instead of of us trying to force management to see it, FedRAMP gives us the language that we can point at, which I think is really nice. Um, there is some new control language. Um, they may have shuffled some controls here, but the point mo- the, the point I would take away is there's not so much sub- substantive difference here. That you're going to spend a year trying to comply with this, uh, you know, new Rev Five over Rev Four. It's pr- it's pretty light in terms of of major control changes.
0: Okay, so a lot of it's pretty similar. So then, what would you say the the biggest challenges are that organizations face when they're uh, implementing the AU controls, and um, you know, how can they ad- effectively address those challenges?
1: Yeah, that that's interesting. It certainly is going to, I think, be different by uh, sort of the type of product you're pushing through certainly in our mm-hmm. in our instance where we have a product that is very adjacent to the security um, world a lot of these controls not only do we need to have around our application but we need our application to provide them to our customers as well so that's mm-hmm. a big challenge for us so it, it, it can be such an instance where you are having to make major changes within your application as you serve it to your customers as they see it, mm-hmm. in order to comply with this, and I'll give you an example of that. We've always had logging built into our our platform, and we've always consumed it internally. We have not generally released it to our customers. but mm-hmm. if we become in boundary for our customers, which we will, they need to consume this log information as well. So
0: our, so we need to provide it for them and make sure we securely provide it for them as well.
1: That's right, So a big challenge for us was to re-architect our logging solution to be consumable by individual customers with only the data in which they should consume so that was a big challenge for us I think in general if you looked at it looked at this just as a, a study in how you log uh, events and analyze events there's not a lot of, of you know brain surgery going on here this is pr- this is pretty easy to consume it's just you have to have that capability in place in order to do it, so you need to have the platforms in place, the technology in place to do that. But again, readily available. Um, you know, you can choose from a handful of different providers for a logging capability and an analysis capability. All FedRAMP moderate, um, right. ATO
0: themselves. So, of course, yeah. Otherwise, that wouldn't would not be acceptable. So we've been kind of dancing around this, and we've said it's fairly prescriptive, and we said there's not a lot of you know rocket science involved here. Um, let's get into it. Like how does the, and I'm thinking of control AU3 uh, in FedRAMP R5, how does that dictate the content of audit records? And uh, what challenges do organizations have in ensuring that all of the necessary information is captured in those records?
1: Yeah. Uh, So AU3 has a lot in it and a little bit of space. (laughs) So what AU3 is going to say is, hey, you need to collect an event. Uh, You need to know when the event occurred, where it occurred, You need to know the source and the destination of the event so um you know if it was if it was initiated from you know somebody out on the internet and in where within the application um, it was actually sourced or targeted Um, you need to know the outcome of that event so what actually occurred Um, and then you need to track who was involved in the event so um, was there a user user specific username uh did it affect another user or username you know those the the who of it is important, so that's one half of AU three. But there's a whole nother half of AU three which says, hey, we also need to know very specific information um, that um, is around those event types that we wanted to collect. Right, so it's going to ask you for things like, hey, the session and session state, se- session length. Um, was there a transaction of of data that occurred at it? How many bytes were sent and received? Um, characteristics that help you identify specific identif- identity, um attributes. So it might be origin of country and things like that. So there's a lot more prescriptiveness that comes with a U three, um, past the initial, Hey, we need to collect events.
0: But ultimately, if you're thinking of that from like an incident response perspective, it makes sense. That's the kind of thing that, you know, if, if you're on the blue team and you've just been handed something and you said, hey, go look this up, having all that supplemental rich data, I'm sure is going to make it a lot easier to do incident response.
1: Yeah, Oh, for sure. I mean, I think um, we've probably both been involved in incidents where you're like, why don't we have better data? <laughs> mm-hmm. This would be an yeah. example of them <laughs> recognizing that, right? And saying, well, let's give our, give our folks better data. Um,
0: well, it also gets away from the problem of um, some former clients of mine, actually, where you go in and you're doing incident response and you ask where the log files are and they say, oh, they they, they routed them to dev null to save space. Yeah. You go, okay, sorry, I just made a Unix reference there. They deleted them automatically or they didn't collect them. And um, that really complicates investigations, to put it mildly.
1: That's right. You, know, you, you asked about some of the challenges. Um, I, I think of the challenges here more around resetting the expectations of certain key stakeholders. So for instance, mm-hmm. your, your lead of engineering or your, your head developer, he he's probably made it a, a practice to try to minimize space consumed, especially in the cloud, right? Cause space is mm-hmm. cost and, and yeah, you know, people are sensitive to cost and he wants to have only what he needs to see. So you may have a challenge re educating that individual and saying, well, what you've done always is no longer acceptable for fed ramp they have much more stringent and we have to keep them much longer than you have in the past and you're going to get pushed back on the amount of space it takes and and how hard it's going to be to parse and all of this but the reality is, is that's a challenge uh, more on the diplomatic side in the in the political side of your organization than it is on the technical side but still one you're probably going to face
0: but also, like you said at the top, if you've got uh, existing commercial product and you're trying to re-engineer it or re-architect it for FedRAMP, it sounds like the logging provider and the log sources consumers are probably a challenge, as well as actually what you're collecting in those logs. Some of those might have been things that a, a purely commercial organization that hasn't been through a significant incident probably wouldn't think to control to have in a log file or in an event record, right?
1: Correct. And I think that's really why it's so it's so specific in terms of what it wants there.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, if you're enjoying this conversation today on YouTube, uh, ring the bell to get notifications about my quest to find literally any beer that's drinkable, or subscribe to this in your podcast app of choice to make this part of your monthly routine. And Tom, I want to ask about the context of Control AU six. Um, how do con- organizations under FedRAMP? Con- conduct effective audit review analysis and reporting, and, um, you know, what tools or what processes are really crucial for that process?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is interesting. We just talked about the level of, of specificity that are wanted in in logs, right? And so when you're collecting that much data across your entire footprint or your your entire boundary, you're creating reams of data, and it's very hard to analyze manually. In fact, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. um i think any auditor would recognize that you can't do it so really what this is saying is go out and find a tool that helps you manage the burden of of streams of data in the in the analysis so you're you're t- this is really talking about get a sim tool <laughs> something right. that can analyze um you know i i have i have my requirements around sim tools most people do you know you want a tool that uh, isn't just signature based you want a tool that looks at anom- anomalous behavior as a, as the same severity as just a signature um, you want a tool that helps reduce over time the the false positives so you're getting truer and truer data um, which if anybody who's configured a sim understands how you know every tool comes out of the box it's going to create false positives but you ultimately want to get to the point where what it's presenting to, I think the requirement is to an admin on a weekly basis. Although if you're only doing it weekly, I think that's probably a mistake, but whatever it presents to you um, is data that you absolutely have to follow up on. You know, it's a, it's an event that should mean something Mm -hmm. to you. That's what this control is all about is how, is how do you get to that point where you are analyzing data that is impactful to your environment in a timely, in a timely way. So go find a, a SIM that is FedRAMP authorized in implement it, and make sure you get it to the point where it is giving you the least amount of, of false positives as possible.
0: So I want to I push on that one a little bit, Tom. Sure. Just to uh, to clarify, so you said use a sim tool, which some of our viewers or listeners may think of as a SIEM tool, uh, security incident event monitoring mm-hmm. tool, specifically. Um, here's the question, though. I know a few CISOs, one at a retail company that are using data lakes as opposed to a traditional seam. Or Sim to do large-scale analysis because they said, "Well, for our environment, uh, we're special, and because of the scale, we are just going to dump everything in data lake and trawl through it, and have apparently built very customized processes for that." So, would that be applicable if they stored their data lake up in FedRAMP, or is it so prescriptive that it says, "No, you all have to use a Sim that is FedRAMP moderate"? No, I
1: mean certainly they're alluding to a Sim. I would challenge that uh, data lake is a Sim. I mean, it's it's still doing the same base function. It's looking through a pool of mm-hmm. data and finding anomalous activity and reporting it as something that needs to be followed up, up upon. That's what a sim does or a seam. Uh, I think that's a colloquialism, depending on where in the country you live. But I think so. But the point the point of that point is is you can't do this manually. So however you get to the point where you have routine analysis and you have degraded the number of false positives that come out of it, so you're you're not you're, there's not that call. Uh, what is it? Call wolf or what? Um, cry wolf. There's not a cry wolf, cry wolf scenario going on constantly in your environment. I, I knew I'd get there. It's been a while since I've I've, I've done fairy tales, but the point is 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 you, you is you want to have data that is actionable, that makes your security team stand up and say I need to follow up on this, um, not one that says oh there's there's 16 in the in the queue again and only one of those could potentially be anything it's probably minor. Um, that's what happens. The noise, uh, the noise creates a desensitized people. If you have, um, if you have a tool that is very noisy and false positives, so
0: very true. But also, it has to have some way of identifying true positives uh, and not reducing the false positive and the perceived false positive rate to the point that there's nothing in the queue that's right you don't want you Um, don't want to have that also tends to be a little bit worrisome as well where you you have nothing and you think everything's fine yeah yeah um okay cool so we've kind of set this this Technology apart, so you don't have to have a sim to do it. You could, but you do have to have some level of automation. Um, what are the other key strategies and technologies then to to protect the audit information? And I'm thinking of the uh, AU nine control under FedRAMP. And how do those strategies really mitigate the risk of unauthorized access to all of this valuable log data?
1: Yeah. So AU nine talks all about how do you keep your how do you ensure that your log data is immutable, essentially? So it's mm-hmm. not deleted. It's uh, it's irrefutable. So a, per, a person can't say, no, I didn't do that, um, it, which means you have controls around how that data can and cannot be changed. Um, this is critical. And most of your modern tools should come with that capability. So again, I'm talking to, about SIM tools. This, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, nods to a SIM, a SIM tool. But um, you can certainly input those controls around a data lake as well. But you're talking about having uh, a storage set that is stored encrypted that is not uh, does not have the ability to go in and just blanket delete. Um you have to mm-hmm. have very stringent controls about around how that data can be moved. um very stringent controls about who can get in it. So in, in the case of most organizations, you want a very limited number of of folks that can get to the source data, maybe not the front end that connects to the source data, but the source data itself. Um, so you have to be very very careful about how you architect your, your solution most modern sims will come with this capability um, built in so for instance your your splunks and your elastics of the world will have a back end that is immutable
0: Right, and that's really important because otherwise it, it, well, I'm sure it could be thrown into question as to who really did what if you're missing audit records, which that's right. I know I have seen threat actors uh, go after that in the past before immutable storage was standard. The other thing I'm thinking about Tom here is we're talking about storing a lot of event data, right? A, a lot, and um, under AU11, uh, what are the requirements for audit record retention and really how are organizations supposed to balance the need for long-term retention of this event data with the the challenge of all of this data storage and management, especially for immutable storage?
1: Yeah, this, this to me is a confusion point around this control family. So you, you'll see folks out on the internet say, well, you only need to keep uh, retention for 90 days. And I believe that isn't the case, but I believe that they put imprecise language here and they'd make a mistake where they point to a standard that was written by the, uh, what is it called? The OMB office of management and budget. So right. when you point to a standard like that, people are like, well, what is an M standard? I don't know that it's not like NIST or, you know, uh, some of the other, I would say commonly known standards. It's not an SP for instance. So, you really want to go in and reference the the standard. It's M21-31, I think is the is the correct standard. But it's referenced in FedRAMP in small language. And you have to actually align to that standard with um, with your retention. So in when you go and read that standard, again, you're gonna have some ambiguity there. But most people, most experts in the field have come down to say what they're really saying is you need to retain records. For one year, so you want one year of 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 log retention, and you decide how much of that you want as hot and how much of that you want as cold. I'm choosing to do 90 days of hot, in Mm -hmm. in the remaining year and cold. But it's as clear as mud if 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 I'm being honest, and you have to really sort of like connect dots and read between lines to get to that um, understanding.
0: But it's a it's a year with a rolling deletion period at the end of that well it's just to manage the amount of data yeah
1: it specifies um, there's some controls around that right so um, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't say you have to delete so you can maintain longer sure but if you're an information security guy who's ever talked to a lawyer you want to delete the data as soon as you can Uh, yes you also um, there's controls around how that data rotates if there is a denial of service that occurs within your logging environment So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty common, um, especially I would say 10 years ago to kill log systems by just overwhelming them with log entries. So the standard is delete oldest in this scenario, which, um, I want to have a significant runway ahead of me before I have to delete anything in that event, because you don't want to lose your ability to track, but it is specified within FedRAMP that that's how you deal with that scenario.
0: That makes sense, especially if it's a you know, denial of service as part of a tar pitting attack when, right. you know, the logs are just gonna come in later. Um, yeah, I could see that being well, so a, about a year give or take, talk to council and adopt for your own organization. Sound fair? That's correct. Yeah, that's true. That's okay, totally fair. Fantastic. Well, I think we've hit that point of the day where we need to uh, we need to talk about this American size on by Boulevard Brewery.
1: Boulevard Brewery. Let's see. How much have Boulevard you drank brewery. there, Peter? Where
0: is, where is Boulevard Brewery based out of? Hang feel like on. I've still got some left in the bottle.
1: I feel, like that's based a, out of? I feel like that's a Colorado brewery. Hmm. But let me see.
0: Well, uh, the whole time I've been thinking about it, it's like we've got Boulevard Park here in Bellingham. Oh, and, no. Kansas
1: City. Um, Missouri. Sorry. Kansas City. OK.
0: Ooh. Barbecue. All right. Um, so I, uh, Tom, do you want to go first on this one or should I go first?
1: I'm happy to go first. So okay, um, I'm
0: going to try take another sip while you do that. Th-
1: this beer has certainly grown on me as we've talked, you know, it has, it has spicier notes than I would expect. And they come on the front of the tongue, which is a bit of a surprise.
0: Hmm.
1: A lot of time, those spicy notes are are kind of the linger back end of a beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. It's got a lot of character. It's got a lot of multi stuff, not a lot of hop, which I'm a, a fan of the hop, but um, I'm also a fan of beer in general. So Uh, And, you know, if if I think of this in terms of what it is, a Saison, I'm going to rate this very high. I think it's a seven. Um, You know, if you if you talked about, hey, Tom, are you going to go pick this first off the shelf? Probably not because it's it's not hoppy. It's not an IPA, um, which my beer fridge is dominated by IPAs. But I would keep this around like I'll keep this around and I'll drink it on, um, you know, specific occasions usually associated with like, hey, we've got some family over and we're going to drink one beer or something like that. Um, it's got that kind of a, a appeal and character to me. That's uh, it's particularly good in in winter. So, yeah. So I'm giving it a 7, Kane.
0: Tom, I need to come to your family gatherings if you only need one drink to get through them.
1: <laughs> Depends on which family members are coming over. <laughs>
0: Well, in my case, I've, uh, I've had another sip of this and, um, you know, at the, at the top of the show, it was more interesting than it is now. I mean, obviously it's still got foam on top, but it, it reads a little flat and kind of dull. Um, like at the beginning I was at least getting spice notes off of it. Now it just kind of tastes like beer. Um, it does not, I, I, if, if nothing else I have learned now what hops taste like and that I do not like them, um. I also can say this is less bitter than it was at the top of the show.
1: Yeah, it opened up. It's kind lot. of an
0: interesting thing. It's changed over time. Yeah, um, in terms of would I, you know, go to a family dinner at Tom's house and get through it with one of only one of these? Um, depends on the conversation if we've been pre gaming. Um, I think that would be the big question there. Uh, I would not stock this in my fridge. It's, I don't have. Well, actually, most of my friends point out I barely have anything in my fridge on a given day. Um, that's just how it is. I'm gonna give this a. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid three. I was, I was debating there between a three and a four, and then mm-hmm. I had to remember what a one was, and I was thinking of how terrible that was. This is not a two either. This is. It's definitely firmly a, a, a
1: in the three, three for slot.
0: Me. Yeah, it's firmly in the three out of ten scale. Right. It's uh, the- it's. It's
1: fine. The fact that you've you've learned to delineate to that level is a huge win for me, Kane. So I'm happy about that.
0: Well, we also needed to find a one, and the uh, cinnamon cinnamon bun ale. <laughs> that was a one because we do not have a zero on the show, unfortunately. <laughs> Bit of a pity that. We ever redo this? <laughs>
1: uh, I do. I do feel good about rating this a little higher after being so brutal to the cinnamon bun ale. Uh, Paul Boulevard. Probably you were not I was. brutal.
0: We were accurate <laughs> yeah for sure well with that that's all for today if uh if you think you know a beer that i'd like or that tom would like or if you have FedRAMP questions uh drop them in the comments below and remember to like our linkedin and youtube pages to hear live interviews with information security professionals thanks everyone